live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon. How are you? And wherever you are, man, we greatly appreciate the fact that you dialed us up. On this Tuesday, June 13th, the year 2023, LSU knows who, and they know when they'll open up the College World Series. The Denver Nuggets are the champions of the NBA. Brian Kelly, I saw him in a grocery store yesterday afternoon. The Tigers got themselves another high-class recruit. And are the Pels trying to make a move up in the NBA draft? All these questions and much, much more coming your way today. Tuesday, June 13th, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh. Back in the master control suite in the EFCO Development Studios. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, well, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, Tennessee survived in advance. Stanford survived as well. So the field for the 18 College World Series as set, and game times were announced last night. Number five seed LSU set to play Tennessee on Saturday, June 17th at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Earlier Saturday, number one seed Wake Forest will face Stanford. The losing teams of Saturday's two games will play at 1 p.m. Central Time Monday, while Saturday's winners face off at 6 p.m. Monday. So stay tuned for that. LSU beat Tennessee two out of three earlier this season in Baton Rouge. Of course, the opening game was um, one of those that NBA uh, Major League Baseball scouts were salivating as Two of the top pitchers in baseball, Paul Skeens for LSU, Chase Dollander of Tennessee went at it. Skeens went seven innings, gave up one run on five hits, struck out 12 and walked one. Dollander went four and two thirds, gave up two runs on four hits. He was not helped because of two errors by the volunteers and Paul Skeens and company went on to win it by the score of 5-2. to two. LSU scored three runs in the bottom of the eighth to secure the win. Skeens had a no decision 
Garrett Edwards, who picks one and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball, got the win for LSU. Saturday, game two of the three-game series, uh, Ty Floyd went five innings, gave up four runs on six hits, but the Tigers got their bats going. Um, they scored three in the first, two in the fourth to win it six to four in the ball game. Ty Floyd got the win. Griffin Herring got the save. Game three, the rubber matchup. Uh, LSU trying to get the series sweep. Well, it started off poorly as Tennessee got six runs in the first inning, four runs in the second. They had a 10-zip lead before LSU woke up and got into it. Thatcher Hurd had a had a tough go-ahead, didn't record a single out in his, uh, in his pitching, gave up six runs, all earned on four hits. Uh, he came out. Riley Cooper went five and two-thirds innings, but he gave up six runs on eight hits, and it was just a bad day at bedrock for LSU as Tennessee salvaged the series by doubling up LSU 14 to 7. That was way back when. Uh, all of that gets wiped away. Tennessee shut out Southern Miss last night, five zip to advance. And so we'll move on. Mikey Matuk will join us, the former LSU Tiger and big leaguer, St. Thomas Moore alum, will join us, share his thoughts on this LSU baseball team. Sticking with LSU, uh, Brian Kelly gets another commitment. Um, elite safety Joel Rogers of West Feliciana announced his verbal pledge to LSU. Uh, Rogers not only fills a position priority, but also helps Brian Kelly's goal of keeping Louisiana's top talent at home. With Rogers on board, LSU now has commitments from seven of the top 10 prospects in the state of Louisiana, eight of the top 13. So that's pretty good. So with Rogers on board, LSU's 2024 class contains 16 commitments, ranked number seven in the nation per two, four, seven sports, and certainly more to come. Nikola Jokic easily was the NBA Finals MVP as his Denver Nuggets closed out, ended the season for the Miami Heat. The NBA is over. The Denver Nuggets are the world champions thanks to a 94-89 win last night. Jokic with 28 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists. He led 6, 5, excuse me, 5 Denver Nuggets in double figures. Um, it was a close ball game. Jimmy Butler got hot late. He was not very aggressive early on, but Butler in 41 minutes ended up with 20 points. Bam Adebayo, 20 points, 12 rebounds. He was the early offense for Miami. Jimmy Butler came in in the fourth quarter, uh, hit 13 points like lickety split, um, actually gave Miami a one-point lead, but Denver overcame that outscored Miami 24-18 in the fourth and won it by five, 94-89. The NBA season has come to a screeching halt. 
Um, and what a, what a, what a year it has been uh, in the NBA. Speaking of the NBA, uh, we'll have Ali Cassell on coming up at the in the three o'clock air uh, hour, right at three o'clock. And there's there's speculation and rumors running rampant um, that the Pelicans are aggressively pursuing moving up in the draft to try to garner Scoot Henderson. This is according to some some NBA analysts and some reports that are out there. Uh, Henderson is still a teenager. He's been a pro uh, for two years. He joined the NBA G League Ignite team at 17 years old. Um, he is expected to be drafted no later than the number three pick in this month's draft. And the athletic Shams Sharania reported that the Pelicans are expected to aggressively pursue either the number two or three picks in an attempt to land Henderson. Now, believe half of what you hear and half of what you see. Um, what would they have to offer at number two to Charlotte or number three to Portland in order to move up from number 14 to number two or three? Are they willing to put an all-star on the table? And that means, are they willing to put either Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson? If they, if they were, then they honestly believe that neither that either or neither one of them is going to be able to withstand injury in their career. So thanks to the Anthony Davis-Drew Holiday trades, New Orleans has seven first-round picks in the next five years. Um, and they've got some interesting young role players that they could package with those picks. But for a deal to get done, to move up that high, New Orleans might have to part with either Ingram or Williamson. So um, we'll see. Remember, Ingram is under contract for two more seasons. Williamson has five years left on his deal. So stay tuned. We'll talk with Ali Cassell about all of that. Uh, mandatory mini camps are, are taking place. Uh, we'll talk with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network about that and much, much more. So a very, very busy day for you and yours. Um, I am, I don't know what it is about baseball and uh, regionals, super regionals and college world series, but man, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Now, LSU leaves the friendly confines of Alec Box Stadium, but there's a whole bunch of LSU fans that are going to invade Omaha, I can assure you, and it will be a home away from home. Once again, I can't wait. Saturday, 6 p.m., Tennessee. Not going to be easy. Not, none of those teams are easy. They're all good teams. They are all good teams, but it seems that LSU's peaking at the right time, doesn't it? It just seems like they are. And we will discuss that and much more after our first time out. And after that, Mikey Matum joins us talking LSU baseball and the College World Series next. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? No worries. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. All right, let's get rolling here. 18 minutes after the hour, we welcome in a former St. Thomas Moore star, former LSU star, big leaguer, now he's doing all kinds of things, and he's got his own podcast out there. Um, good friend, Mikey Matuk, kind enough to join us. Mikey, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm terrific. Man, I got to tell you what, this is uh, this time of the year when LSU baseball's playing like they are, man, it's so much fun. They are really, um, and I know you had some, time, some players on your, your podcast and your show um, and it, man, it's just exciting. They seem to be peaking at the right time. What do you think of this club? Yeah, they're, they're extremely fun to watch. They're really easy to, to root for. They, they have a great group of guys. Not only are they super talented, but they kind of feel like, you know, they're, they're very close. You know, they root for each other. It's all about, you know, one common goal and they don't really play for, for individuals. They play for the team. And so, yeah. Um, you know, getting to spend some time with some of those guys has been really cool to get to know them a little bit, to kind of understand what makes them tick. And, uh, and they, they, uh, you know, they're definitely talented. You know, they may be, they may go down when it's all said and done as the most talented team ever to come through LSU. Um, you obviously have Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz, who would be the number one pick in the draft in any draft, but unfortunately for them, they're the same draft. So they could go number one and number two, but, uh, I think you said it right. I think they are peaking at the right time. They went through their, one little, uh, you know, slow spot of the season, I think, at the right, right. time. And and uh, they've kind of righted the ship, and they're playing some really good baseball. Curious. You played in the big leagues. What do you think teams value more? That one, huh. that that pitching ace that's going to pitch once every four or five days or that everyday player that's going to hit over 300 drive-in runs? What do you think is more valuable to a club? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, I think it just depends on the makeup of the baseball club. I think it. I think it's. Yeah. It it all depends on you know where they're at right now. You know, I feel like both Dylan and and Paul are going to be in the big leagues. Um, you know, very 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 soon. I think Paul would be in, will be in the big leagues by, depending on the team who drafts him. I think he could be in the big leagues in September. Um, wow. He's he's ready now. He doesn't need any time in the minor leagues. Um, you know, and I think Dylan. Um, doesn't need much there either. So 
the rule of thumb and what all the analytics say is if you have the opportunity to pick a guy who's going to be in the lineup every day, you draft him. And that would be Dylan Cruz, obviously, playing center field, being in the middle of the lineup. He has more opportunities to impact more games. Yeah. But if you look at how much they're paying for a top-line starter in the big leagues, being able to get one um, for very cheap as opposed to finding one in free agents seems pretty enticing. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't think you can go wrong. I think the best, you know, I think the Nationals who draft number two, I think they have the easiest job in the world because whoever you don't take That's one, funny. they're going to take yeah. two. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't uh, – I'm excited for both those guys because they've earned every single bit of this publicity and every, every, every dollar they get, they've earned it. Thinking Trey Morgan's gonna gonna end up being a um, a long time major league player as well. He's he's uh, versatile. He can play outfield. He we see what he can do at first base. Um, man, how do you assess his game? Yeah, he's a, he's a little tougher to uh, to evaluate. Obviously, he's got elite bat to ball skills. He's, he controls the barrel really well. He yeah. puts the bat on the ball extremely well. He doesn't strike out a ton. He's elite defensively at first base, but is he is he a little undersized for first base? Maybe he can play the corner outfield spots. He's done that really well. He doesn't hit for a ton of power, but recently he's he's been driving the ball to the ballpark. I think he's got more. I think he's got more juice in there than he's shown. I think he's going to develop over time. Um, and I think he, as long as he can hit, he can show that he can play really good defense in in the corners and play really good defense at first. Um, you know, I think he has a, he'll have a role in the big leagues as, as maybe a utility guy. And then if, if he develops that power to be able to drive the ball to the ballpark and for a team to say, okay, we're going to keep you in the corners or keep you at first base because you're driving the ball and you're driving in runs. Um, you know, I agree. I think he has the ability to, to be in the big leagues, but he's a little bit tougher of, you know, of, of an evaluation. Um, but that's not to discredit his ability and his talent and what he's done at LSU because he's been great. and He's been very consistent for three years. Mikey Mata, kind enough to join us. Um, every aspect of LSU's game, their hitting, their pitching, their fielding, uh, certainly has been on an uptick. But nowhere has it been more evident than in the bullpen, hasn't it? Blake Money, um, Saturday, didn't allow a hit or a run. There's one of the third innings of work. And then Sunday, Riley Cooper and this freshman, Gavin Guidry, man, they were huge. So, it looked like the, what everybody thought was going to be their weak link and maybe be the, the anchor that weighs them down. It seems like that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously at the beginning of the season, when you lose your top three right-handed arms out of the bullpen, you're going to fuel that a little bit as a team. You're going to have to figure out a way to overcome that. Uh, you know, Grant Taylor, Chase Shores, and uh, Garrett Edwards all go down. Tommy John surgery, and those are three guys that you are going to depend on in the late innings of a baseball game. And so when those guys go down, you need other guys to step up, and you need other guys to kind of figure out their role. And it took a little took a little bit of a, a little bit of time for them to do that. And I think as the season progressed, they took their lumps, and they kind of took their beating, and they kind of they got better, and they realized, all right, this is what my role is. This is what this is what I do best. And uh, I think the starting pitching, being able to go deeper in games over the last month has really, really helped them. Now you don't have to extend your bullpen near as much. And then you mentioned the Gavin Guidry, man. I don't, you know, he didn't, throw, he didn't throw one pitch in the fall. He didn't throw one pitch in the spring. And all of a sudden they needed a guy out the bullpen. He comes out the bullpen and he's, 
he's been very dominant in the back end of games. Uh, the pressure, I feel like he pitches better the, the higher the pressure situation it is. And so, um, you know, I've been very impressed with his demeanor, his ability to get out, and his ability not to flinch when things go wrong. So he's been a bright spot. He's been somebody that I think that has kind of shored up the bullpen a little bit. Yeah. And Riley Cooper coming out um, on, on the Sunday game and being able to, to shut out Kentucky for three innings and kind of bridge the gap to the back end, I think that was also a big thing. So um, I think that they are very well equipped to make that run, especially in the bullpen. I think these guys kind of understand who they are and, and, and what type of pitcher they are. And I'm looking forward to seeing these guys work up work in the uh, postseason. Mikey Matuk, who made his major league debut with the Tampa Bay Rays on my birthday, April 10th, back in 2015. Boy, you uh, you you were part of LSU's 2009 College World Series championship team. Um, take me through your emotions after winning a, a super regional like that, uh, or a regional, um, and then getting to go to Omaha. What was that feeling like in that transition from Baton Rouge? All right, here we go to the College World Series. Yeah, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, and I compare our 2009 team a lot to this team um, for a bunch of reasons. Obviously, you know, this team's very talented. We're extremely talented. But this team came in this year with a lot of expectations uh, to make it to Omaha and to win a World mm-hmm. Series. And we had those same expectations in 2009. The year before, they had made it to Omaha. And they went one and two. And a lot of those guys were coming back. And so we started the season out ranked number one in the country with the expectations that we were going to win a national championship. So to be able to go through that season, to be able to sweep through the regional and sweep through the super regional, um, and especially as a freshman, it was, it was a dream come true one, but it was something that we had worked for that we had, you know, dreamed of. And it was something that we knew that we were capable of doing. And then, you know, getting to Omaha and being able to play in front of 30,000, and have your first team practice on the field, and there's 20,000 people in the stands just to watch batting practice, wow. you know, get those nerves out early. It was, it was a pretty special moment. But, you know, you say, how does it feel going from Baton Rouge to Omaha? I feel like I was still in Baton Rouge when I was in Omaha, to be honest with you. We had so many yeah, LSU yeah. fans there that I felt like yeah. we were just playing in a little bit of a bigger Alex Box Stadium. It's, uh, that is awesome. And they will be there in abundance yet again. Um, was it? game as usual or how did you how did you stay level and even keel and concentrate on what you had to I guess is it because you played in so many big games prior to that yeah that helps and I think a lot of the veteran guys who had been there been in Omaha the year before I think they helped I think that you know they had gone there the year before they didn't win so they came back this year and they knew that hey we're kind of here for for one reason one reason only and um, we're going to make sure everybody else understands that's why we're here and um you know we did a really good job throughout the course of the year of keeping our our focus and understanding the job that we were trying to do and i think this team this year does the exact same thing and so um you know we leaned a lot on the older guys and a lot on the veterans we enjoyed ourselves we had fun uh we were able to win those first two games so we had those three days off and then you know we had the max amount of days off allowed in omaha so we we were able to, to enjoy ourselves a little bit, but we knew that when it came down to practice and games that, um, you know, the, the thing that mattered was, was getting the W and, and coming back home with a national championship. 
Mikey Matuk um, had a pretty good junior year at LSU. He led the SEC in batting and league play with a 425 average. He led the league in on-base percentage, hit 14 homers, drove in 56 runs, stole 29 bases. First team All-American by Baseball America. Um, what a career, huh? What a career. What, yeah. what, what's your best memory of your career? Well, I mean, I appreciate that, and it was I enjoyed every single moment of it while I was there. There's a lot of best memories, you know. Obviously, my freshman year and winning the World Series, and and you know having that moment in Game One where I got the base hit in the 11th inning, and and going through all of those types, like all of those moments, I feel like um, are the best moments. And it's hard to it's hard yeah. to pinpoint one. Um, but if I had to pick a moment outside of, of winning the national championship, you know, watching the games this past weekend and watching Paul Skeens have the opportunity to get his curtain call in his, in his last home game at LSU and watching Dylan Cruz be able to come through with his double, a double yeah. uh, in his last home game. Uh, my last home game was not a postseason game, but it was against Tennessee. And I was, uh, I was able to um, hit a home run my last at bat. Coach allowed me to come off the field as a curtain call. He pulled me out in the middle of the inning. To me, that was a special moment for me just because I grew up and lived and breathed LSU baseball and loved every single part of it. And I felt like I was a fan for a really long time. And to be able to to have that given back to me as a player, I think that one that's one of the ones that sticks with me uh, for the rest of my life. That is pretty darn cool. Um, I believe this LSU baseball team can do it. Um, I know there's some really, really good teams there, uh, but, um, you know, if you could give them some advice before they, they take off and they're taking off tomorrow morning, um, what, what would you tell them? Oh man, it's, that's a tough one. I think for me, I would say, you know what, enjoy the moment of being in Omaha, understand the magnitude of it, but soak it all in, accept that you're there, give yourself some time to, Take it all in, but the minute you get to practice and the minute you are getting ready for the game, it's got to be business as usual. Get through that first couple innings, settle in, and try to get your best to keep your nerves calm. But when you, once you get through that first, those first couple innings and once you get through that yeah. first game, I think yeah. everything kind of normalizes a little bit and you feel like, all right, this is we're back to baseball as usual. Right. And the one thing they got that nobody else has is they're going to have Paul Skeens on the mound in game one. And uh, that's going to give them a ton of confidence. I don't one they don't lack confidence, uh, but knowing you have a guy who's going to go up there and, and throw 102 mile an hour BBs at you, I think that that gives uh, the guys behind them uh, some some confidence. I mean, you played with some really good players, uh, Renato, Lewis Coleman. Uh, I've seen some great great players come out of Baton Rouge and LSU, but I've never seen a picture like this dude. Not with his size. Um, not only is he throwing 102, but he's he's hitting whatever spot the catcher wants him to hit uh, and doing it with consistency. I've never seen anything yeah. like him. Um, I don't think that anybody in college baseball has, has seen anything like him. I know a lot of people try to compare him to Steven Strasburg, and not that it's a very understanding, understandable comparison. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I think he's better than Strasburg was coming out of college. Um He's able to sustain his velocity, triple-digit velocity for the entire game. I mean, in the regional, he threw 125 pitches, and his last four pitches were all over 100 miles an hour. 
he's got five pitches that he can throw for strikes. Um, not only is he talented on the mound, but his demeanor, the way he interacts with his teammates, the guy, the person he is. Um, yeah. He's a superstar. He's got the entire package. And to, to you know, to reiterate, which I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like him. And like I said, I think he's a number one starter in the big leagues, and he's ready for the big leagues right now. Unbelievable. Um, can't wait. Cannot wait for, for Saturday. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a, a very tough uh, opponent, as always. They've got some really good players, and yeah. uh, so it's going to be fun. And, um, man, thank, thanks for sharing some thoughts and, and memories with us um, and continued success to you, man. It's always great talking with you, buddy. All the best to you, uh, your I, wife. Um, I appreciate and I really it. Appreciate thanks it. for having me on. I always love coming on. You're the best. Mikey Mato. Thank best. you, my friend. All right, buddy, you take Thank care. You. Mikey Ma took with us. Uh, again, LSU, Tennessee, they'll get their uh, first game underway this Saturday at 6 p.m. And, of course, of course, you can listen to it right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The Denver Nuggets are the kings of the basketball world. We'll hear from some of the victorious Nuggets after this next timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you're looking for great deals, look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. There are plenty of two-for-one deals available right now. You can get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50 or a $30 voucher to La Hacienda for only $15. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these deals and so many more. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back. 39 minutes after the hour, LSU first baseman designated hitter Jared Jones has received second team freshman All-America recognition from the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association. He's from Marietta, Georgia, hitting 304 this season, 12 doubles, 14 homers, 45 ribbies, 37 runs scored. He is fourth on the LSU club in homers and fifth in RBIs. So um, he had he had good moments in the season. He had some down moments in the season. But uh, overall, that's that's great, great news uh, for him. Great news. If you're live in the city of Denver and you are a Nuggets fan, well, because the Nuggets won the NBA championship last night, beating the Miami heat four games to one. They're just a really good team. They, they, and I know it's, it's very hard to find in professional sports, but that's a team that generally and honestly looks like they get along that they care for one another that they're all for one and one for all they really do it just seems that way and they play so well together it's all starts with the big fella 
Nikola Jokic. He's um he's it's spectacular. Michael Malone um finally gets his credit. He's always been a good coach. Now he's an NBA champion coach, and he talked about being able to coach Jokic. Uh, it's been amazing, you know, because uh, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it from the, the basketball perspective, two MVPs, finals MVP, world championship, and uh, everything he's done on the court. And then more important for me, you can look at off the court, the relationship, uh, you know, the love that I have for Nikola, his mother and father back in Slombor, Serbia, his brothers Nemanja and Strahina, his wife Natalia and their daughter Ognjena. Uh, you know, they're, they're a wonderful family that I've gotten very close to. And uh, I've said this many times before, but Nicola, even tonight, like he's kind of acting like this was like another game. Um, he's never changed with all the success, and he never will. It's just not in his nature. Um, so, you know, I love, I love Nicola. Eight years, love Jamal, seven years, been through a lot. And uh, just for all of us to stay the course, to challenge ourselves, to get, all get better collectively, individually. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be a part of uh, such a historically great player who's an even better person, and I mean that sincerely. This is not coach talk. Nicole is just a, a, a great, great man. And you could see it, right? He had his daughter in his arms, and he was hug- his family was hugging him. He was very, very, very humble in victory, very humble. Um, if we scroll down to Jokic, um, you know, Malone said seven years. Um, and sometimes, like like the Chicago Bulls, they had to get rid of uh, Detroit sometimes. As Jokic says, you need to be bad before you can be good. Yes, the core. But then I think you you need, if you want to be a successful, you need a couple of years. You need to, you need to be a bad, then you need to be the good. And then you need to figure. Then you need to. When you're good, you need to fail. Um, and then when you fail, you're gonna figure it out. You know. I think the experience is something that is not what happened to you. Is what you're gonna do with that. With happen. What happened to you? You know. And uh, yes, Jamal was injured. Yes, we we lose the first round or second round in the playoff. I don't even remember who who remembers. Uh, but there is a process that you need to. You need to. There is a steps that you need to fill. And it's it's a it's not a it's not a, there is no shortcuts there it's a, it's it's a, it's a journey, and uh, I'm glad that I'm part of this journey. Will the journey continue? Well, they're the odds-on favorite to win it all next year, um, and if they stay healthy, he is just he's an unstoppable force. Uh, he played against something that no one had ever seen before in Magic Johnson as a 6'9 point guard. Nobody had ever seen something like that. Now, here's a seven-footer who can dribble it up the court. He can shoot threes. He's an outstanding passer, so his assists are incredible. His rebounding is incredible. Uh, he does it all he, he, inside. I mean, he's going to shoot over you, around you, through you. He's just a great basketball. He's the best player in the world. Well, there's any question about it. But Denver wouldn't have won without a former Kentucky Wildcat by the name of Jamal Murray, uh, who is semi-pedestrian during the regular season. You know, the 20 points again. He's very, very good. But when the playoffs come, he 
ramps it up and becomes a superstar. Here's Murray on what does it mean to win Denver their first NBA championship? Oh, man, I mean, you could hear it in the crowd. <clears throat> um, just the excitement. You know, we have a, the best home court for a reason. I just felt like, you know, all season long, even the past couple of seasons, we were hurt. Um, you know, they were just there for us. When, when we didn't have the energy, they brought us energy. They gave me energy. Like, um, they gave me energy to come out and, sh and, and do an arrow or make a couple shots or show a little bit more um, emotion than normal. You know, like, they would help, really help me go, and that's why everybody loves to play at home. Um, I can't, you know, shout these fans enough. I'm just so happy for the city of Denver, um, Cronkies. Um, you know, we, we really, really earned this one. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's surreal to see it through. It's tough to answer these questions right now. Uh, they did earn it, no question about it. Cantavius uh, Caldwell-Pope was a winner uh, of two NBA championships, one with the Lakers in the bubble with no fans and then winning one in Denver with a ton of fans. Here's Caldwell-Pope talking about that feeling of winning another championship. It's, 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 it's different. You know, I didn't have the crowd uh, or my family at that in the bubble. So it was just my, my brothers uh, on the team. Uh, but here is, is, is different because I got the crowd. I had my family in the stands. Uh, was able to get my kids on the state. I mean, on the court with me after we won. Uh, just you know, and just enjoying that experience with them. You no, know, I'm I'm happy. Very very happy and um, a very very good club. Uh, Michael Porter very good as well. I don't know if he's worth the the amount of money he's going to be asking for, but uh, with any kind of team, when success comes, other you know, players want to get their just reward, and that's to be rewarded monetarily. So it's so hard to keep a team um, continuous uh, to roll through things. That's why it's amazing that um, Golden State has been able to keep their players as long as they did. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens here uh, in Denver. Um you have the focal point and the superstar in Jokic. You've got his sidekick in Murray. And you've got a bunch of pieces that just work together. They just work together. Miami, another classic example of, of building a team and how you do it. Um, now Miami will be searching for question answers. They're, they're going to try and go out, and they've got the resources to do so, to go get another really good player. Is it Damian Lillard? Um, does he want to leave Portland and go to go to Miami? Um, so no rest for the weary. And um, we'll see what the Pelicans try to do because everybody's going to try and mimic what these teams are. And any team out there now has to come up with some type of player, some type of concept to try and deal with Nikola Jokic. Nobody's been able to do it yet. Anthony Davis couldn't do it, and you thought he would be ripe for it, but he's not. So uh, it'll be a very, very interesting offseason, to say the very, very least. And we'll talk about uh, the Pels and their uh, the rumors surrounding them 
with Ali Cassell coming up here at uh, at the at the start of our number two. But we'll take a a final time out here, and we'll come back with a couple of more tidbits here and there as we're rolling on on this Tuesday, June thirteenth, in the year twenty twenty three. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Out. You know, there are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. They're in your neighborhood. They're convenient for you. And I'm a convenient shopper. And I'm just telling you, if you can't shop right, at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, you can't shop right at all. They've got everything at the greatest prices. You can become a member of their Buku Rewards Program. You can save in the store. You can save at the pump. You can save everywhere. ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets by Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out by Eon. E-O-N, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. It is amazing. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you start playing and playing responsibly. DC's Little Capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever had. And by Cajun Chef. For 90 years, the Beard family in St. Martinville, putting out product after product after product, all with excellence. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 54 minutes after the hour. Um, busy second hour planned for you and yours. But, I, I you know, uh, Jake Johnson's grown on me. And um, it's obvious he's a good baseball coach. But the thing that sold me, did you hear him during um, the Kentucky series? He's doing an in-game interview on the ESPN broadcast. Did you see that? Did you hear it? I mean, this, this is brilliant. He said, quote, I hope every good player in the transfer portal is watching this right now because this doesn't exist anywhere else. Jay Johnson, recruiting during a super regional, I mean, with a packed house and it's just brilliant. They, I mean, that's a coach. They never, ever stop working. There's the moment of the game itself, but they're thinking ahead to the future. They got to think about next year. We're going to lose schemes. We're going to lose Cruz. We're going to lose Morgan. We're going to lose this and that. And I got to replant. I mean, pure genius. And who 
who wouldn't want to come play at LSU? Honestly, who wouldn't? It's just um, he's got something going. Now, I don't know if they're going to win it all this year or not, uh, but um, he's earned himself some uh, some money through uh, getting to getting to the College World Series. So he's got he's earned a significant uh, bonus package already. And I think his total, if he wins the whole thing, could be up to two hundred and fifty something thousand dollars. Um, so we'll see. Now LSU is losing um, one player to the transfer portal, and that is Josh Stevenson, LSU outfielder. Um, He's the younger brother of former LSU outfielder Andrew Stevenson, right? Uh, He just didn't get enough playing time. He appeared in 24 games this season, going one for 10 in his at-bats. He appeared in 40 games in the 2022 season. Uh, He did not make the postseason active roster this year. So in that regard, you can't blame him. He wants to go play. And unfortunately for him, LSU's not uh, not looking back. They're going forward, and they're going to get some more top flight talent in here. So we wish him all the best. Our number two straight ahead, Ali Cassell. Are the Pels going to wheel and deal and move up in the draft? And Bob Rose, uh, Rashid Shahid, little injury. As uh, minicamp is underway, we'll get the latest from Bob Rose in the Black and Gold Report. Stay with us. Hour number two, straight ahead. The Jordy Helford Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, June 13th, the year 2023. Yours truly, Studio 1A, my main man, James Mesh. In the Master Control Suite in the Evco Development Studios, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles. You can hear us everywhere as we are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. LSU Tennessee World Series bound game one, Saturday, 6 p.m. The NBA regular season and playoff season is over. All hail the Denver Nuggets with their NBA Finals MVP, Nikola Jokic. They were uh, a spectacular team, and he was an absolutely spectacular performer, which tells us now every other team is going to try to get better, to try and keep up with and surpass the Denver Nuggets, and that includes 
the New Orleans Pelicans. So we welcome in our good friend Ali Cassell from At the Bird Rights. Um, it's always great to talk to you, Ali. How you feeling? How you doing, my friend? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing much better. Had to battle through some ailments and stuff over the last week or so, but I'm Man, on the other so side fun. of it. So I'm, I'm happy, excited. Good. Let's talk some basketball. All right. Well, it, uh, it dropped yesterday after we went off the air, but the Athletics' uh, Sham Charania reported that the Pelicans are expected to, quote, aggressively pursue either the number two or number three picks in an attempt to land Scoot Henderson. When you saw that, heard that, what was your re- initial reaction well, you had to be a little bit surprised, right, for multiple reasons. One, Griffin ended this season talking about how this team really wasn't going to make any major splashes. And you looked, right, you had the two stars and Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. You just need to round out the team and, of course, get them healthy. But now that you're talking about Scoot, well, obviously they may want to deviate from that plan significantly. And that would have to involve sending out a major piece to whether Charlotte or Portland, right? They're not going to take scraps. They're not going to take a bunch of first-round picks. And then, therefore, you get to keep all of your main core. So that would require, right, somebody leaving. Would it be B.I., Zion, maybe a combination of Trey, Herb, and somebody else? So it sounds like the Pelicans really want to do something different, go in a different route. And, Jordy, you've got to ask, I, I, can you blame them? I mean, Zion's played, what, 114 games in four years. B.I. has right. had trouble staying healthy. So if you don't think you're ever going to see this team uh, be able to make it through a full season, do what it takes, right, just like the Nuggets, mainly their stars stayed healthy, then maybe you should go in a different direction. And going for, you know, going for scoop makes a lot of sense. I'm with you. Um, if you're standing still, you're really going backwards in this thing. Um, who would you, if if that was, if, that was a possibility, and it would tell an awful lot about the what the Pelicans feel from a health perspective. Either one of them are. Who do you think the Pels would be willing to part with? Uh, a Brandon Ingram or a Zion Williamson? Who do you think? Yeah, so the way I labeled it out, it's, it's three groups, right? B.I., Zion, or a group of your best role players. I don't think it's going to be Brandon Ingram. He's been too much of the face of the franchise. He's always doing things with the team during the offseason, leading them. As we saw yesterday, NBA Finals game, he's there in person along with Herb and Willie. He's done this previously uh, where he's gone with a head coach or maybe Trajan Langdon or something. So he's been a team guy. Even though he hasn't been out there for 80-odd games and he's been a little bit unreliable himself, it's not going to be Brandon. You also need the shooter, right? Brandon can score from any position, and, and I feel like that's the most important thing in today's game. So B.I. is out. Yep. I don't think the Pelicans, you know, if you really look at it, it's so tough, right? Zion, he's a top-five talent. And if you look at just past champions, you have to have almost a top-five player in the league at the moment to win a championship. And Zion, we saw right in his glimpses before he went out for the rest of the season back in December, he looked like an MVP. He played like that person. So, on that standpoint, it's hard to trade him away. But then on the same thing, same side, you can't give up Trey, such a great shooter. Herb, one of the best defenders, right? Such a package that really consists of almost your entire team. You saw what happened to the Suns, right, when they gutted that team to get Kevin Durant on there. They were a shell of their former selves, right? No more Mikael Bridges, no more several other key yeah. players like Cam Johnson. So right. to answer your question, I think it has to be Zion. 
I said it. It's 114 games in four years. He seemingly clashed with the front office every offseason, um, you know, going back to his rookie season with the medical camp, and they've always tried to appease him. You know, they just even let Aaron Nelson go or demoted him last few weeks, and it seems like it's never enough. So maybe moving on from him, going to get somebody that plays like him, right, that can really get to the rim aggressively and score inside, replacing him with somebody that's going to be on a cheaper contract, right, that's going to matter a lot. You don't want to have a lot of guys making max money at the same time. I think all the arrows point to Zion. Yeah, it does. I wonder. I wonder if the if um, Griff could trick um, Charlotte or Portland. Um, hey, look, we'll we'll give you our fourteenth pick. We'll give you C.J. McCollum. We'll give you Dyson Daniels. Um, we'll give you Kyra Lewis, maybe. <laughs> and, and we'll just we'll just keep our guys, and you kick them. Jordy, and 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 one of those. Uh... In one of those worlds, yeah, that, that fantasy probably works, but not in this one, yeah. not in the real one. Yeah. For Scoot, remember, he's one of the, the best draft picks to come out. If it wasn't for Victor Wimbanyama, this would be known as a Scoot draft. I also think he's that good. He's a mix between, of, say, a Derrick Rose and an Alvin Iver- Allen Iverson. right? So he's going to be, everybody's pretty confident, a really great player, right? A top-ten player for multiple years, multiple-time All-Star. So to get him, you, you can't trade off pieces. And I'll tell you what, you've got to be, if you're Portland and and you want to have every intention of keeping Dame and putting together a winner, you know, pivoting to a Zion, and if you can get him healthy, that doesn't look so bad. Same thing with Charlotte. You have a LaMelo-Zion combo. I don't think that's bad either. So I think all teams, all parties should be tempted by this. That's why I think there's going to be probably a lot of rumors leading up to the draft and beyond, considering this deal makes a lot of sense for everybody involved. Yeah, Um Ali Cassell with us. There's a there's a point guard who might not be um, with the Phoenix Suns anymore. Uh, he got his career started with the New Orleans Hornets. Would you be interested in entertaining Chris Paul to return back to New Orleans? That's a tough one because if you say you're going to go with Brandon Ingram and Zion, Chris Paul, it's really hard to fit him in when he's going to need the ball in his hands a lot. And when you have two wings that are kind of your playmakers, your go-to guys, just like the Boston Celtics with Tatum and Brown, it's hard to bring in a guy like that and fit fit him into the offense, I think. That's why Chris Paul succeeded so well, say, in OKC, where he was a cast-off from Houston. He was in charge to lead a bunch of guys, and they played well. He he, he seems to have issues when he's got to share the ball, right? That's why it didn't work with James Harden. That's why I, I feel like – and now he's on the downside of his career, so – it really comes down to his role. If you would be willing to accept some kind of backup role to where you can really monitor his minutes and you wouldn't have to pay him any kind of exorbitant money, then absolutely. But if, he, if this current contract that he's on has to come involved or he wants to remain a starter, then I have serious issues. Even though I love him, I, I just don't know how you can fit it in. I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the bird rights. Uh, Trey Murphy, to get him um, there, more involved. He's almost almost got to become like a – a two guard in, in your, a shooting guard for you. Is that, you think he can handle that? I mean, I would, I, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm telling him to work on his ball handling skills. Um, and, uh, man, we can go big. And with that shooting ability, man, that, I'd love that. I would too. And that's why this is such an interesting trade, because as I said, shooting is so prevalent. I mean, look at the Miami heat when they shot the ball well in these playoffs, they won. 
right? But yeah. when they shot as bad as, say, they did last night, they really didn't have a chance to win. So, right. yeah, that's why I don't want to see Trey moved. That's why I think even though you have CJ and BI, you got to keep all your shooters you can. And Trey, I think he's going to be one of the best. I don't see any reason why he can't say mimic Clay Thompson. Let's say that his ball handling never fully develops, right? It's very hard mm-hmm. coming in the league, not being able to do something at all, and then suddenly becoming that's one true. of the best at it, right? So I think Trey's best chance for success is just having maybe one or two dribbles, uh, coming off a lot of screens. Like I said, operating like Clay Thompson. So you're not going to be going one-on-one, right, playing isolation, but more so playing within the role of the offense. And as Clay has shown, that's still very much a necessary ingredient in winning championships. So I'm with you. I think Trey's going to always work on his game. I think he can expand it. But even if he doesn't fully right, evolve, I still think there's such a place for him, especially on this team. The more, the more I think about Scoot, um, the more I think about what Willie Green talked about and what David Griffin talked about, how much they want to play with pace and how they didn't mm-hmm. play with the pace that they wanted. Uh, to have pace, you've got to have that enigmatic guard that can just take it from free throw line to free throw line in the blink of an eye, and that's what Scoot Henderson can do, and that's something that the Pels don't have. No, they don't. You kind of saw it in glimpses, right, with Zion where he can be, you know, he's that fly, high-flying athlete, can finish at the rim, and he can playmate. But I, I think Scoot gives you another chance at, at even redeveloping that position here on this team. Whereas Zion's not the greatest ball handler or passer, right? Who knows how no. much he'll improve in that aspect. But I think Scoot is more, you know, inclined to play like a guard. You know, he's six foot two. He's done it his whole career. Um, and when you watch him play, you get real sense of, like, those Russell Westbrook vibes, like Derrick Rose. I feel like if, if you're moving on from Zion, you still have to have that ability, right, to get the rim, to break down defenses. And Scoot, boy, he'd be such a great transition to that if you had to move off of Zion. So I think Scoot really does. When you keep thinking about this, even though it sounds – it's probably chances of this, any kind of deal like this happening are probably well, small, right? you got to expect yeah. Charlotte, Portland would ask for the world, even though it's Zion. But his value couldn't be any lower right now. But if you could pull this off, yeah, I, I can't find a better – you know, solution for the Pelicans if you're moving on from one of your guys like Zion, then scoot. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then, and then I think you know we we talked about Trey Murphy making the big step from year one to year two. I, I think the next big progression for this team, and we saw glimpses of it, glimpses of it at the tail end of the season. Herb Jones has to become a consistent scorer. He's got to be a better outside shooter. And I think we saw a little bit about that. And if he continues to work on it and becomes that guy that can get you 12, 14 points a game, now we're talking. If he can do that, yeah, the last six weeks of the regular season, he shot over 40% from three-point range. Now, you got to be able to do that over the course of a season. But I feel like I saw enough, you know, change, metamorphosis with his shot from the start of the season to the end. I'm confident that with a guy that works as hard as Herb, he's got a better than 50-50 chance of making that stick, right? So all he's got to get to, Jordy, is what? 35 36% from three. And he was only a few percentage points below that, even in, in a down year for him, right, last season. So I like taking that bet, and I think he will improve. I really do. Well, we'll see. I mean, interesting um, revelation. I always say, you know, take take half of what you hear and ha- and, and, and just – store it away and and flush the the rest we'll see what happens uh, the draft is about how many days from now i think we're 10 something like nine ten days away right nine, or nine. Ten. yeah it's it's <laughs> it's coming up it's right around the corner so um 
be very, very, very interesting um, to see. I, I think I think Pelicans fans would welcome uh, a move like that. It's always exciting. We'll see. The chances, I think, are very, very marginal. But mm-hmm. as long as it's marginal, that means it's not out of the water. So, so we shall see. I'm so glad you're doing better, my friend. Uh, our show's always better when you're on it. And, um, man. Uh, would you trade uh, Zion for Nikola Jokic straight up? Well, in a heartbeat. He's the best player in, in the world, heartbeat. right? I take him in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. You're the best. Thank you, my friend, so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordy. All right, you take care. Um, no question. We will uh, take a time out here when we come back. It's time for... The Saints News Network's Bob Rose and the Black and Gold Report. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the Astros, they return home to begin a three-game series against the Washington Nationals. You can catch all the action live here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch begins at 640. First pitch for Minute Maid Park is set for 710. That's live Astros baseball on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Perfect timing because a three-day Saints minicamp began today um, with practice this morning. It's going to be the last exposure before we get to training camp, and so Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with his ear to the ground and his sources out there, kind enough to join us. Hello, Robert. How are you, my friend? Good evening, Jordy. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well also. I am doing well. Uh, first bit of uh, news I heard is a uh, little injury action from Rashid Shaheed. Um, what, what, what's going on there? What have you heard? Uh, it, yeah, and uh, you know, Rashid Shahid is dealing with a little bit of a groin issue, we're hearing. Uh, okay. yeah, not, uh, nothing to be overly concerned about, but I would be surprised to see Rashid uh, get involved in any of the uh, drills throughout the remainder of minicamp. You, you, know, you have to be safe at this point. There is no reason to press a player into action. Uh, you know, and Shahid, uh, you know, Shahid missed some time at the end of the last OTA session uh, you know, with the same groin injury. Uh, you know, depending on the severity, sometimes these things could take a couple. You still there? I, I'm still here, yeah. I see you. I just don't hear you all the time. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Where were we? Uh, talking about the, the groin injury and how you're not going to see much of Shahid during this, this point in time. Okay, I apologize. Um, okay. Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, typically these things, depending on the severity, uh, takes a couple of weeks to heal. There is no reason yeah. to believe until we hear from Dennis Allen otherwise uh, that Rashid won't be ready for the start of training camp, which will be, of right. course, at the end of July. That's the main part. It's still phase three of the offseason, which means that contact is not permitted. 
So you're going to see some seven on seven, nine on seven, 11 on 11. This is, this is when your offensive skill position people can shine because there is no contact. There is no hitting. Uh, so uh, we'll go along those lines. Still no Michael Thomas, obviously. Um, but a lot of Derek Carr. And, and the more and more I hear about Derek Carr, the more and more I like him. He is uh, He's finding out he's researching every player, understanding their likes, their dislikes, their family. Um, and he's like a, a, a computer in his mind. He's doing everything the right way. And I, and I love that about him. Yeah, it kind of reminds you of another guy that came to New Orleans at the quarterback position in 2006, doesn't it? Uh, And listen, everything that we're seeing about Derek Carr as a person are the things that we were hearing about Derek Carr as a person before he came to New Orleans. Uh, That he is a very good teammate. He's a very involved teammate. And I'll tell you. Uh, you know, nothing screams leadership like being an involved teammate. Uh, you know, and I guarantee you that that earns points with, uh, you know, with the players in that locker room and in that offensive huddle with him in particular. Uh, and, and, and you just love to see it. These were the kind of things that we were seeing from Jameis Winston too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, Jameis was embraced by his teammates. There's no reason to believe why uh, that Derek Carr won't, uh, you know, won't experience the same kind of thing. And Derek opened, says that Michael Thomas uh, was extremely effective in helping get Derek to New Orleans in the first place. Uh, you know, Carr was working very closely with both Alave and Shahid, uh, you know, through, uh, you know, through the other OTA practices, uh, you know, that we were seeing and hearing. So, you know, everything that we're seeing so far is exactly what we wanted to see from Derek Carr, uh, you know, the quarterback, Derek Carr, the leader when he signed with New Orleans. Uh Derek Carr says he's been talking to Alvin Kamara prior to today. Kamara was on the field and, and participating. Uh, Carr said he turned to the rookie Jake Hayner after one of um, Kamara's routes, and he said, quote, bruh, that's not normal. So he hadn't <laughs> seen anything. He hadn't seen anything like Kamara running a route coming out of the backfield like he does. No, and as you as I, you and I have talked many times, Alvin Kamara is a special breed, man. Um he runs routes like a wide receiver. Uh, we're hoping to see more of that out of New Orleans this year, yeah. something that we didn't see very much of, certainly not enough of from Kamara the last two seasons. Uh, yeah, but with the additions of you know, Jamal Williams and Kendry Miller in particular in that backfield, we should see more of Kamara as a pass receiver. And you know, Carr, what got un- overlooked a little bit, with the Raiders when, you know, during Carr's time there is that he does actually like to throw to backs out of the backfield. He throws a very catchable, uh, you know, check down pass, uh, you know, one that allows his backs to pick up yards after the catch. Uh, you know, they can, they can make that reception while on the move. Uh, you know, he just, like you pointed out, he just hasn't seen anything uh, in, in with the any player with the dynamic abilities of right. Alvin Kamara. Right. And I think some special things are in store for these two. I hope so. Um, You know, last year, prior to last year, after the 21 season, Malcolm Jenkins retired. Marcus Williams signed with the Baltimore Ravens. So Saints lost their safety. So they countered by adding some highly regarded free agents in Marcus May and the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. And I think we could all say the excitement that we had for those two 
their play on the field didn't live up to that excitement. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, I'd agree with that. And I, yeah, I said it several times during the season last year. Uh, yeah, they, they they just didn't they just didn't play like we expected them to play, and they yeah. need to get better. Period. Yeah. They absolutely do, uh, you know, and I think that that you know, the the most one of the most disappointing players to me from the 2022 Saints was Marcus May, uh, yeah. you know, and in that top five list was Tyron Matthew. And listen, yeah. I love both players. Uh, you know, I, I love the signings when they came to New Orleans, and I went on record at the time as saying that that pairing was a more athletic duo, uh, you know, and one with more range than what we saw out of Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins combined. We just right. didn't see it last year. May he dealt with a lot of injuries and was frankly a non-factor when he was on the field. Matthew played very well, I thought, towards the end, especially that last month of the year. Uh, but early on, for a defense that, you know, that missed a lot of tackles uh, you know, yes. through the first half of the year, Tyron Matthew was the poster boy for that. You know, he, he was the most guilty culprit, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I questioned his effort, which was probably unfair for me to do, but at the very least, yeah, he he, he uh, consistently took an improper angles to the ball carrier. Uh, you know, it seemed to be out of position a lot. And even Tyron admitted himself during the year, towards the end, uh, you know, that he just didn't grasp the defensive scheme. Uh, you know, like he was hoping to and like he right. expected to. Uh, yeah, but both May and Matthew, they've been really good playmakers throughout their careers prior to New Orleans. And I expect I, I expect uh, a lot more statistically from each of them. Uh, yeah, in, in 2023, you make that's the key word playmakers. Taron Matthew was the greatest defensive playmaker in college I'd ever seen. Yeah, uh, he seemed to always be around the ball, and the ball always found him, and he made things happen. And I was hoping for that type of reincarnation, but it never did. But he is a playmaker, and maybe another year under his belt, right? And he'll uh, he'll do it. But but all these things in the NFL all stem each each level helps the other two levels. So if you get a mm -hmm. good pass rush, that's certainly going to help your secondary and your safeties. If you get uh, linebackers dropping off a little bit, covering angles, and they, 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 it all works together, right? Oh, you're 100% accurate. Uh, you know, and in regards to safety play, you know, the, it, Matthew and May have uh, – what I think is the best NFL's best trio of cornerbacks in front of them in Marshawn Lattimore, Alante Taylor, and, uh, and Paulson Adebo. Uh, you know, and all three of those players are extremely aggressive. Just think at how much more aggressive that they can be if they have confidence that they're going to get quality, deep safety support behind yeah. them. Yeah. Matthew and May both have outstanding range, terrific instincts. Uh, you know, and the, the fact that this secondary, that this defense only managed seven interceptions last year it's just still my that was one of the most mind-boggling statistics to me in all of the all of the league throughout 2022 you got to believe that with the talent in this secondary that that number is going to significantly increase this season is it i equate things to basketball and we just saw denver beat miami to win the nba championship and miami is an outstanding defensive basketball team yeah they get after you they hustle they Dive for loose balls, but sometimes offense is just too good, and you cannot stop great players. Is the NFL like that now? I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how many playmakers you have. You get the right quarterback with the white, the right wide receivers. They're just going to make plays, and you can't stop them. 
Yeah, and I do. I think not, not only the NFL is like that, but you could make a case for all of professional sports. Uh, you know, yeah, Miami, the Miami Heat made a great run, uh, a, a nearly unprecedented run through the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, even as good a defensive team as they were, they aren't comparable to the early 2000s Pistons teams uh, or right. the bad boys teams or even those Celtics teams because the rules have changed to favor the offenses. Yeah. That's the right. same thing for the NFL. Roger Goodell and those league crony, I have to throw them under the bus occasionally, right? <laughs> uh, Roger Goodell and those league cronies, they see dollar signs or they want dollar signs. Uh, yeah, and they see potential dollar signs and marketable names, marketable faces, which are the quarterback position, uh, yeah, specifically and offensive players in general. Uh, yeah, fantasy football. Uh, you know, b- betting lines, you know, in right. Vegas and all those other betting sites, they're all offensive based, you know, point yeah. spreads and things like that. Defenses, in my opinion, defenses can still help you to a championship. Defenses can carry you to a certain degree, but you need an offense to win you that championship nowadays. I'm with you. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, so anything else of, of, importance or pertinence from uh, day one of the saints uh, mandatory uh, minicamp caesar ruiz was was not there he was he's mm-hmm. still hurt and so he's excused yeah. but if you're not there you can aren't excused hefty fines are in play but um so the saints don't seem to have the problems like the buffalo bills seem to have uh but anything else of interest that uh, your sources and your reporters have told you today you know, there's a couple player personnel, potential player personnel movements to watch out for. Okay. Uh, you know, we were hearing coming into today, uh, you know, that former Vikings and most recently Carolina Panthers interior offensive lineman Pat Fline, uh, you know, was going to be on the field. That was not the case. Uh, okay. We're hearing now that Elfline wants to explore potential starting opportunities. He's not going to get that in New Orleans, but if he doesn't find potential chances throughout the league, that's a move to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, an old friend, Ted Ginn Jr., was uh, helping the wide receivers yeah. at Saints camp today. Uh, you know, and there, uh, there were a couple players, a couple veteran wide receivers, Kiki Kute and Lynn Bowden. Uh, you know, that were also in minicamp for tryouts. So that's a couple of veterans to keep an eye on. Remember that the Saints have already signed James Washington and Brian Edwards this offseason. Right. Uh, you know, so maybe Traquan Smith day, Smith's days are numbered. Uh, that article, I'm actually going to do an article on that uh, tomorrow right. morning for the Saints News Network. Uh, you know, none of those are you know, tsunami type personnel moves, uh, but these are the kind of moves that you'll see uh, you know, in NFL training camps and mini uh, mini camps and prior to training camps. Uh, you know, there's still a few big free agent names on the defensive side uh, you know, that uh, that are still without a job right now. So watch out for uh, you know for some of those names uh, you know, as we get closer to training camp. Don't know if we'll see the Saints bring any of them in in mini camp, uh, but that you know that's what we're looking at. And like you. Said, said you know, practice attendance uh, the mini camp attendance outside of the excused absence of Cesar Ruiz is absolutely outstanding all right let's take a quick time out part two I'll share my thoughts on Ed Ginn Jr. as a coach after this time out the black and gold report next this is the Jordy Holberg show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros we here at the game know you love our shenanigans off 
and on the air. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. So go see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. Once again, that is at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. It is 39 minutes after the hour. We continue with our good friend Bob Rose of the Saints News Network for our weekly edition of the Black and Gold Report. Um, you mentioned a couple of uh, wide receivers trying out today. Um I'm kind of curious as to what the national pundits believe Derek Carr with a Michael Thomas, with a Chris Olave, with a Rashid Shaheed, with a Foster Moreau, what that that Saints quarterback wide receiver combination is like. Where do you think it ranks, Bob, amongst the elite of the NFL? Well, actually, uh, you know, NFL.com put out a a rankings piece, uh, you know, yesterday. Uh, you know, and slow time of year, I, I do it too. Slow time of year, we like yeah. to rank things that we haven't necessarily seen yet. Uh, you know, and NFL.com ranked their top nine quarterback wide receiver uh, newcomer duos uh, for 2023. And they actually had Derek Carr and Chris Alave ranked at number four. Uh, you know, now that that might come as a surprise to some people who might expect uh, a Carr Michael Thomas tandem. Uh, but, you know, remember, you know, Mike has missed, what, 40 of the last 50 regular season right. games. Uh, right. you know, and you know, if healthy, I still expect Michael Thomas to be the number one targeted wide receiver in that core. Uh, you know, but uh, Alave, I mean, uh, Alave, you know, he has the deep speed. He's a terrific route runner. Great open field uh, ability after the catch. Uh, it makes sense that Alave and the the Alave car pairing uh, would gain a little bit more national attention. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, don't don't sleep on Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, uh, you know, Foster Moreau, who Carr played with, and, you know, with the Raiders, of course, uh, you know, and even Jawan Johnson. And we already, you know, you already mentioned Alvin Kamara in our, in our first segment. There are a lot of targets for, uh, you know, for Derek Carr, who, in my opinion, is going to be playing with his you know, the best supporting cast he's ever had throughout his nine-year career, and well, almost 10-year career. Uh, Bob Rose with us. You think there's a reason why we aren't seeing any moves by the Saints? There's, there are free agents out there that are available, but we're not seeing the Saints being proactive there. Well, why do you think that is? Uh they were ex- extremely aggressive uh, prior to the draft, uh, you know, right. early in free agency, uh, you know, and they checked off the boxes that they were most concerned about. You know, de- obviously quarterback, defensive tackle. Uh, you know, they, they addressed tight end with Foster Moreau, running back with Jamal Williams. Uh, but a lot of people were concerned, and probably rightfully so, at the linebacker position, for instance. Um mm-hmm. I believe that the Saints, and you're right, that's a, a position where there are four or five excellent names still on the market. Uh, but you're talking about you know, young players for the Saints in DeMarco Jackson, Zach Baum, 
Ty Summers, Andrew Dowell. I believe that Dennis Allen and the coaches want to see what these young guys look like filling that Caden Ellis number three role through minicamp. If they don't like what they see, then I believe then they'll explore the veteran, uh, the veteran avenue, uh, you know, just prior to training camp or maybe even a week or so in uh, the same thing with defensive end. Uh you know, they, they've drafted Isaiah Foskey. They have uh, Carl Granderson to know passing your returning. Uh, maybe they see something in Tate and Turner that us as fans and media, we haven't seen up to this point. Uh, perhaps that's why they've left uh, players like Yannick and Gaku, who's still a free agent. Uh, you know, Frank Clark recently got signed by Sean Payton and the Broncos. Maybe that's why they're not going after them because they legitimately like what they have in that room. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, wide receiver, you know, we're seeing them. It, a lot of people were hoping they'd pull off a trade for Hunter Renfro. Uh, let me ahead. ask you about let yes. me ask you about that because uh that's a player that's very, very familiar with the mm-hmm. quarterback, and the quarterback's very, very familiar with him. He's 27 years old. He's a really good player, I think. Yeah. Um he, he came out and talked about uh, Derek Carr talked about his love of bow fishing in Louisiana. <laughs> And Renfro responded to the post and Carr invited Renfro to join him for some bow fishing. I mean, it seems like if you're bringing Foster Moreau over, let's let's keep this Raiders transfusion moving in. Why not? Yeah. And obviously there's familiarity there, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Renfro and Carr having played together and having success together uh, you know, with you. the Raiders. Uh, yeah. you know, and not only that, you know, Moreau's there, Brian Edwards is there. You know, they played together uh, you know, in, in Oakland. Uh, I love Hunter Renfro. I have since Clemson. I think he's a terrific complimentary wide receiver. Uh, I think it's very possible at this point that the Saints could be trying to wait out the Raiders to see if they release Hunter Renfro, because if they release him, he could come to the Saints an awful lot cheaper than what they could if they traded for him. Then they do not only have to give up probably draft assets, uh, but also foot the bill for his salary, which, by the way, they have the room under the salary cap to do so. Uh, but it's still he'd still be an awful lot cheaper to bring in as a free agent. So I think that perhaps they're playing the waiting game with the Raiders to see if they release him. And we don't know what kind of conversations are taking yeah. place behind closed doors either. Curious what you think the expectations are from the the tight end room. It seemed like they got a lot of them, um, but do they have that dude? You know what I mean? I think they look at Foster Moreau as potentially that dude. Um, and, you know, we're not going to see another Jimmy Graham in New Orleans. I mean, that was a rare breed in and of itself. But Juwan Johnson is going to be your matchup weapon, uh, your matchup receiving weapon. Uh and you know, a, a guy that they'll be willing to bring off of the line in two tight end alignments, but you know, usually bringing him in motion or out of the slot. Foster Moreau is more of the big body type. He'll be the blocker. I expect he'll get the majority of the snaps in, in when they go single tight end on early downs. Uh, you know, because Foster is not only a bigger body, more physical. He's a better inline blocker than what Jawan Johnson is. Uh, yeah, and then Jesse James. You have a guy you know, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Penn State Nittany Lions, so you know the man can block. Uh, 
Yeah, he's not as dynamic a receiver as Juwan Johnson, certainly no, uh, or even Foster Moreau. But I think in Jesse James, you have a quality number three tight end. Uh, you, you're not going to see any you know, 800-yard or 1,000-yard uh, you know, individual receivers uh, you know, from this position. Uh, but you know, we do know that Derek Carr likes to target tight ends. You know, We mentioned, obviously, not only Foster Moreau, but Darren Waller with the Raiders. So I think Johnson and Moreau are going to get their targets. Uh, but this passing game is going to be centered around the receivers there's no doubt in my mind we'll see what uh, Clancy Barone can do as the new mm-hmm. tight ends coach what kind of impact I don't know anything about him uh what kind of impact he can have in that room I don't know no telling uh Clancy's a veteran coach he's been around the block for sure uh you know NFL and college uh has ties with Dennis Allen. Well, who doesn't on this coaching staff now but has ties with Dennis Allen through Texas A&M um uh, and any teams that Clancy Barone has coached, those tight ends have been an awful physical bunch. So, you know, you, if you didn't like what you saw from the Saints tight ends as blockers the last couple of years, then I expect that to exponentially improve. And that's one of the reasons why this team dealt away Adam Troutman. You know, Troutman yeah. was viewed as the blocker of this unit, and they weren't happy with the production that they were getting, definitely not as a receiver, right. but even as yeah. a blocker. Uh, you know, Foster Moreau is a major upgrade to Adam Troutman in both areas. Uh, you know, and when you have a veteran coach like Clancy Barone, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, I like I, I feel like we're going to really like what we see out of this reunit this year. It's And we're also I guess they're hoping that Jawan Johnson makes a major leap and mm-hmm. becomes because uh, he's such a big target. My goodness, that's a big man. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, I, I've compared him, and I know this is hyperbole, but I've compared him to Shannon Sharp, uh, you know, a, a bulked-up, beefy-looking wideout. Uh, you know, and Juwan has the frame to add more muscle. He already has since he's you know, been converted from wideout to tight end coming out of college. Uh, you know, and it, it took Johnson about a year and a half to really grasp the concept of a tight end. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and now that he is, uh, you know, we, we saw some good receiving production from him last year. Uh, you know, and I, I do expect, again, you know, not a, he's not going to be a thousand yard receiver, not in this offense with as many targets as there are. Uh, you know, but I, as much as I like Foster Marone, I think uh, Foster Moreau, I think Jawan Johnson is going to have, uh, you know, the better receiving production of the two. And I do expect a, a little bit of a breakout from him. All right, we'll see. I mean, it's uh, you got some some good pieces, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Can Derek Carr get it done? What's going to happen with Kamara? How good is a running back game going to be when Kamara's out? Um, is Michael Thomas going to remain healthy? Uh, so many question marks. But if they do stay healthy, they got they got some some players now there, there's no question about that if they stay healthy oh no doubt and yeah health is uh health health is going to be the underlying factor on both sides of the ball as it always is with nfl teams uh but especially with the saints the injury issues that we've seen them have the last two or three years but on paper this team this offense looks like an awfully good unit certainly a exponentially more intact 
more talented unit than what we've seen the last two or three years. And don't forget about the offensive line too. That's going to be the the key that turns on this vehicle. Uh, you know, the the road graders in the running game. Uh, you know, if they can protect Carr enough to go through his progressions and find all those additional targets that he has. Uh, you know, health and, uh, and and ability along the offensive line is just as important as those skill positions. And you got to get that big offensive lineman, Trevor Penning. You got to keep him healthy, and he's got to make a big leap yes. as well. That's what they're expecting, and that's what they—that's why they drafted him. So we'll see what uh, what happens along those lines. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We're in OTAs. We'll uh, next week. We'll wrap it all up, and then there's some time right before training camp begins. So I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll figure it out. Thanks to you. Uh, we we always have stuff to talk about, Jordy. You just got to find the right stone to turn over. <laughs> we shall do it, Bob. Thank you, man. Have a great rest of your week. You too, my friend. I'll see I'll see you soon. You got it, Bob Rose, Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. We're back to wrap everything up on this Tuesday edition of the Jordy Helper Show. Next, this is the Jordy Helper Show on the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And some of our great partners like Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste. Do yourself a flavor. Try Cajun Chef's hot sauce. Buy the Louisiana Lottery. So many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you start playing. And please play responsibly. Buy ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. Buy Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. And by Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction and DC's little capital Exxon. I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. We'll be back. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Fun, fun show. Thanks to our guest, Mikey Mato, part of the 2009 LSU National Championship baseball team, shared his thoughts on the Tigers as they get ready to head to Omaha tomorrow morning. They will play Tennessee Saturday at 6 p.m. Ali Cassell with the with the Pelicans make a move and trade away a Zion Williamson to get the number two or number three pick in this year's NBA draft. Go after the mercurial Scoot Henderson at guard. We discussed that. And, of course, Bob Rose talking uh, mini camp with the New Orleans Saints today. If today, June 13th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Um, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson, they are now 37 years old. Captain America, Chris Evans, is 42 years old. And Tim the Tool Man, Tim Allen, is 70 years young today. James Mesh, thank you, sir, for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Hump Day with Huguenin tomorrow. More on LSU baseball and anything else that comes down. U.S. Open preview from Los Angeles Country Club coming your way 
tomorrow. So until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And please be happy. Coming up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and my main man, Mesh. Until tomorrow. So long, everybody. Have a great day.